You're listening to the City World Radio Network, high-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world, www.cityworldradio.com. Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. What a special night. And we are literally in the room with women where it happens. It is unbelievable what's going in tonight. By the way, before, I just want to give everyone out there a visual. I am surrounded by eight amazing women who all came tonight because of our amazing guest, Lisa Holton, one of the most amazing Morph Moms. And what you will hear that she's doing, you will all agree with me. It is so, so exciting. Um, Now, briefly, for those of you who have just joined in, I'm Kathleen Smith. I'm founder of MorphMom.com. And you're all saying, what's a Morph Mom? But that's okay. Um, Again, I'll be brief because we want to get to Lisa and not me. But about four years ago, I couldn't figure out what to do. Um, I had been an attorney prior to that, had had kids, had been home, had no idea where to start, and decided rather than to reinvent the wheel, I was going to go out and tell the stories of women out there who had done it, whatever it was, as long as it could help somebody else. So at the time, we had a website, morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com, and you can visit that and see over 800 videos of women all over the country telling amazing stories, so inspiring and so encouraging, and there's no reason you can't do what you want to do. Basically, that is what you'll come away with it from. Um, Also, uh, we now write for Huffington Post. I have this radio show, which is so much fun. We've started classes. We do cocktail parties around the country. And on June 26th, this is so exciting because it's the first time I get to announce it, we're doing our very first all-day, in-tonight speakers conference with women discussing 
any issue you can imagine. Um, and to find out more information about that, I will talk about it on the radio, but also go to morefum.com. So again, enough about me. <laughs> Let's get to the star of the show tonight, Lisa Holton. Um, and I'm going to get Lisa to give you sort of more in depth about her background. But basically right now, Lisa is president of classroom.inc, which is one of the most amazing nonprofits I've ever heard about. It is inspiring. It is encouraging. It is so beyond necessary. And thank God she's out there doing this and leading the way. Um, and I'm going to get actually let Lisa explain that to you as well. But um, again, welcome to Lisa. And I want to welcome my many co-hosts tonight as well. And I just want to tell you, what's really exciting about tonight is when all of the women in the room tonight found out that Lisa was coming. They jumped at the chance to be on the show because what Lisa does is amazing, inspiring, as I said, but really helps children. And that's what we need to do. And the age group in here tonight is very fascinating. We have girls that are 20, 21, and then we have moms that are, I'm not going to tell you how old we are. You can guess, but we're older. So anyway, we got a wide range of women in here tonight, and I think it's so inspiring how this affects all the different ages and just how important this is. So again, thank you to all of my co-hosts. You're going to hear about, you're going to hear from all of them tonight. Amy, Bronwyn, Bridget, Sarah, and Kathy, and myself. And without further ado, Lisa Holton. Well, thank you very much. And first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. You are amazing. You're really inspiring. And I love sitting here with all these amazing women of all ages. Um, I also just wanted to say that Morph Mom is such a fantastic idea because every single mom morphs. It's not just, it's not how have you morphed, it's how many times have you morphed and how are you morphing now. So I love the concept. So thanks. I really appreciate that. But the best part about Morph Mom is I get to meet women like you and the women in the room with me tonight. That really has been the best part of this. Women who are, have gone and done what they wanted to do, fulfilled their dreams, and now want to help others. They want to pay it forward. So that's the best part of this. So I thank you for that. Um, so tell me about yourself and your journey to get here. Well, let's see. I spent um, many years in children's books. That was my first job out of college. I went. I moved to New York City, got a job in children's books, and fell in love with it because in children's books you get to work with everything from babies and toddlers up to young adults. You get to work on that moment when kids, the light turns on and they learn how to read. So I was editor-in-chief of HarperCollins. I went to Disney, became global children's uh, publisher of Disney, traveled around the world, which was fantastic. Mickey Mouse is named Topolino, by the way, in Italy. Uh, and then I became president of Scholastic's book uh, trade and book fair division. So around that time, my kids were in middle school. And of course, they were playing games. And they were also completely mediating their world for, through technology. And I st I'm looking at these young women here. And I started to realize that they were encountering the world through technology in a way that we would never understand, and that even though I knew that books weren't going to die, print books, we had had to reach you. We had to figure out, and I watched, I'm, watch, I'm looking at these guys now, I watched how you were creative and you used technology to mix and mash up and, you know, put out your own selves. And so uh, I created a series at Scholastic called 39 Clues, which was a book and game series. Then I started my own company because I wanted to take it further, and I created a project for teen girls called The Amanda Project, where girls came online and followed a story that ran every week, and they participated and became their own characters. And then we pulled their stories out, and we told their stories. So then I turned 50. I'll just, like, admit that right up front. <laughs> just going to come right out with it. I turned 50. And I had this moment and thought, all right, what's the next chapter? And what are you going to do in life? And I thought, I'm incredibly privileged. I'm so lucky in so many ways. Uh, what I would love to do is help children who I couldn't reach, no matter how much I tried in publishing. So I found the amazing Classroom Inc. And basically, we have an entirely new approach to literacy and to learning. And we start with the knowledge that if you're in eighth grade and you're reading at a fifth or fourth grade level and you're in a school that is giving you not so great resources because they don't have money to give you more, you're pro you know, it's probably not so fun and it's probably frustrating. So we create learning games 
and the kids take on the role of a boss in a workplace. So if you think about it, first of all, you're in a game, right? And you're a gamer, and you know that you have to fail to succeed. You know you have to move around. Secondly, you're the boss, right? And you're in charge. And when I walk into a classroom, the first thing kids say is, I'm in charge, and I am making tough decisions, and this is stressful, and my staff is freaking out. (laughs) So every uh, game is a new day at work, and you're encountering challenging problems, your editor-in-chief one day, the other day you're head of the uh, medical clinic. But the way you move through the game is to read and write and problem solve. And because you are a gamer, you know that you have to keep going, right? So that as you move through the game, you go from somebody who probably wasn't confident and was struggling with reading, and you get to the end, you realize, I can do this. I'm a great decision maker. And along the way, your reading scores have gone way up. Your ability to write has improved. And because you are working with your staff members, your ability to collaborate and work with other people and understand a workplace. So that's that's kind of what we're doing now. It's unbelievable. And I think it's funny. It's almost like hiding from kids that they're learning. (laughs) Like you're playing a game the entire time. And they're so distracted by the fun of the game, they may not even realize that they're learning at the same time and how invaluable that is because it takes a lot of pressure off of them. So there's no – I would think the competition is not between – your reading level and the kid next to you, it's more like, oh, I hit this level. And, I'm go- and, and like you said, they understand, oh, I didn't make that level. But they can handle that. And then they, they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep going. Totally. So for one thing, you're going completely at your own pace, and the game actually helps you. If you're having a little trouble, the game helps you. But at the same time, what's great is they actually do know they're learning, and they love that because everybody wants to be successful at learning. So what kids say over and over again is, I can do this. I'm learning. I love this. It's fun, and I'm getting better. And the thing I didn't say before is we're a nonprofit. So we create these learning games and curriculum, and we bring them into schools in high-poverty neighborhoods. We raise money so that we can bring them in for free, and we not only bring them in for the students, but we come in and we help teachers because we understand that teachers are in there every day, in the classroom or in an after-school program on their own, and so we actually bring in physical coaches, and more and more we're creating really cool digital resources. So even if we can't be with you, you can go online and get what you need. And currently, where are you located? In which states or which areas? We're based in New York, so we have programs in New York. But we're in New York, Chicago, West Palm Beach, Milwaukee, Birmingham, a lot of different cities. And our goal, of course, is every single city in America. Do you want to... Do you plan to go internationally as well? Ooh, that's such a good question. I think eventually we totally can. And, in fact, eventually we can – I'm going to hold up – oh, not holy, but if you think about a cell phone, that's everybody's computer, right? If you don't have a computer at home, if you have a cell phone. So eventually we'll be going there. But first stop, 50 states, North America. <laughs> Lisa, how long has uh, Classroom Inc. been – around and can you tell us can you tell us a little bit about the journey of classroom inc and how long they've been around and how it maybe has evolved over the years that's a great question because it's kind of surprising for a technology organization to be around for 25 years like think 25 years ago we're talking floppy disks right we're talking and it was started by this amazing man named lewis bernard who was one of the heads of morgan stanley and when morgan stanley moved to brooklyn he said we need to do something for the community. He walked into a school. He saw that they were kind of doing an adopt-a-school program, and he said, this isn't doing anything. What can we do? And at the time, Morgan Stanley had workplace simulations that were training their own employees. So we went to Bank Street and Teachers College and Morgan Stanley, and he said, let's do this thing. And then at the height of his career at Morgan Stanley, he stepped down, and he founded, among other things, among many other things that he did, he founded Classroom, Inc., um, so I have a question for you going, and for those out there listening. Oh, and by the way, if anyone wants to call in, it's 212-631-7553. And for those of you just joining us, we're here with a room full of amazing co-hosts. Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Speaking with the ever-amazing Morph Mom, Lisa Holton from Classroom, Inc. Um, and we're discussing sort of her journey going from profit to nonprofit and what she has now embarking upon in bringing Classroom, Inc. not just across the United States and eventually as one of our amazing co-hosts, Bridget just mentioned, internationally. So, you know, anything can happen now. Um, What was it like going from profit to the nonprofit world? That's a great question. First of all, although I was in profit, I was in publishing, 
which is almost nonprofit. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways it wasn't that. And when you're in children's books, <laughs> um, what's great, what's so freeing is that every decision we make, the first measurement is, are we serving the children and families and educators well? That's number one. Are we making an impact and are we serving those children? And I love that. I mean, yes, I have to raise a lot of money. It's really stressful. It's like in the games. I have days when I have to mediate between my staff. But the bottom line is, you know, the only bottom line I'm caring about is not only are we serving kids, but are we making a difference in their lives? And that's pretty fantastic. So, again, for those of you joining us, Classroom Inc. is sort of game-based literacy learning learning as well how to uh, direct a situation, how to understand it, how to navigate obstacles. Who comes up with the themes for the games? And is it ever, like, do you go out and, and um, ask kids what they want to be involved in? Or, like, how does that happen? Yes. And when I go out into classrooms, the first thing I do is I walk around the classroom and I say, because uh, a lot of them are being the editor-in-chief of the magazine in one of the games. So I say, well, I'm the editor-in-chief of Classroom Inc., and we're making a new game, so talk to me about what you like, what you don't like, and we get a lot of great feedback. So the people that make the game are real game designers. When I got to Classroom Inc., we decided to create a whole new suite of games called Read to Lead. So you're the editor-in-chief of one called After the Storm, where a storm has hit your community, so it's very high drama. Second one is called Community Clinic. You're the executive director, same storm. So you're having to help people who are homeless. You're having to figure out power. And the third one's going to be head of a medical clinic. But in order to create a great game, right, as you know, first of all, you need fantastic storytelling. You need great characters. And we write our characters thinking about the community that we serve. So we have writers, we have artists, we have designers, we have game theorists, we have production people, technology. It's, it's really fun. And is there a certain level for each game? Since it is a literacy-based thing and you want to get to a certain level, are there games, I, I guess my first question would be, like, so this is a fifth-grade designated game, this is a sixth-grade designated game, and is there a certain level that they all top out at, or does it sort of vary? Unfortunately, it has to do with reading level. So the games are start, say, at reading level of fifth grade and go up to ninth grade, but for, I was in a school the other day, and there was these amazing young men from Yemen, and they were in 10th grade, and they just come to the country, really. So they're English. They were still learning English. So in the game, they can be on their own. They can be figuring stuff out, right? There's no shame at having to take a long time to read and write. And they would actually take chunks of text and put it into Google Translate. And what they said to us was because they're the boss and in charge in this game, it also it wasn't babyish. You know, they weren't having to read like a second grade thing. So that's also the beauty of the content and the reading level. We can serve a lot of different kids who are, you know, because everybody is having is reading at a different level. Sort of reminds me of, remember, I'm going to date myself, but SRAs, remember those? You'd pull those yes. things. It's like SRAs for 2017 a little bit. But do you remember in SRAs how, even though it was different colors, you always knew if you were the magenta group? 100%. Right? Yes. Like, Absolutely. Totally. And you, I would you know, compete with my friends. Really? She was in the group above me, and we were like the top two. So I would get so mad when she was above me, and we'd be sitting next to each other and trying to finish before each other. Right, so and I, I still remember <laughs> Mike Legg was always on the top one. Like, no one could ever, like, how old am I? And I still remember Michael Legg was always on the top. So one of the beauties of this game is no one is magenta. Yeah. You know what I mean? No that's one's nice. orange, no one's magenta. Everyone's just doing this cool thing on their own. Yeah. yeah that's great. That's yeah. totally great. Because the confidence, again, going back to what you were saying about the confidence thing, is debilitating. So you go into a room already feeling, or, you know, and normally, already you're not at the level everybody is. How do you even begin to start learning yourself when you, you have no confidence? Everybody else is, is passing you left and right. That's why I think this is so genius, because nobody knows what level you are. So your confidence is from within. It's not dictated by what everybody else is doing. It's completely dictated by your own accomplishments, I would think, right? So you, there's no reason to judge yourself compared to what everybody else is doing. Well, you just nailed it because oh, thank you. <laughs> I never get it. You right. need to Wait. come to the office and work with us. <laughs> I've never gotten anything right before. I literally never heard those words before. 
I'll say it again. You nailed it. Because confidence is the first barrier, right? That's it. And we all know in our lives, if you think about it, right, when you are really struggling with confidence, whatever it is you're trying to do, you you know, it's going to be frustrating and it's going to be hard, if not impossible. So that's it. Once you have confidence and you think, I can do this, oh, and I see myself as a successful learner, as a successful reader, as a successful boss, making decisions, it, not to use a pun, but it changes the game. <laughs> well played. Thank you. Not a bad, well played. <laughs> oh. Putting right back at you. Bam. <laughs> and I also think in that instance, it's not just one skill. So if your literacy is not progressing necessarily at the pace you would like it to be there are other attributes that you're gaining from this game so maybe i'm a great boss maybe i can navigate problems with my staff i I don't know i would think so even if one thing might not be working as well uh, there's so many components to it that if you're doing well in something else you don't give up now so now i'm going to look at the young women in the room and the older women in the room (laughs) and think about education right and think about the way it's structured and to your point for so many years, we separate everything, right? Like, this is your English class, and if you want to learn about a career, you have to go over here, and if you want to learn about problem solving. But in fact, in our everyday lives, in order to be successful, it's completely integrated. So you're, yeah, you nailed it again. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Okay. We might have to memorialize this thing. <laughs> you might have to come on every week and just repeat that. Because <laughs> now, by the way, you built up my confidence. Thank you. <laughs> Lisa, I have another question. Um, you mentioned earlier about impact, and I know there's some staggering you know, uh, statistics out there about literacy in the United States, but can you talk to us a little bit about the impact that the programs have had? Sure. Well, first of all, talk about the literacy rates, which are staggering, because we all know literacy is it's an issue, but there are 21 million adults in America who can't read above a fifth-grade level, right? And if you think about it, that means pretty much your job possibilities have just narrowed. Um, And 80% of kids who live in poverty are reading two grade levels below. And that's just access. You know what I mean? That's just because when I walk into schools that are in low-poverty communities and I think about the public schools in New York City that my kids went to, it's night and day. And so it's all about access. So in terms of our results, we measure them a couple of different ways. First, we measure reading, right? Because we want to make sure that at the end of the program, you've not only had a good time, uh, but that you've actually read. And usually our kids are reading 60% above national norms by the end of the program. Yeah, which is just incredible. I start below national norms and over the court. And again, it's because of all the reasons we talked about, right? So there's 60% growth, which is pretty amazing. And then in terms of writing, because that's the other thing we haven't talked about, You need to be able to write, right, to be able to communicate. And in our game, it's great because you write to your staff members or you write to your boss Mm -hmm. and you express your opinions. So we got this really cool Gates grant to do some of the program, and they did a study and found that the kids who were in our program were writing better than the kids. So it's it's fantastic. When they're writing, is there sort of – is it – edited or how does that work so if they're writing is there like uh, besides spell check besides is there something beyond that or how does that work so there so first of all remember you're in a situation so for example you're being told your patient just came into the community clinic what do you think is wrong and then you're given prompts just like you are in school right like give me two paragraphs cite textual evidence so you're given the same prompts that the teacher would give you and you're writing it in the game and then through the beauty of technology it's sent immediately to your teacher and every single thing you do in the game is scored because it's a game and your teacher gets it through this dashboard so that's the other thing teacher has 30 kids in her class right five different reading levels now she has this handy dandy little dashboard and she can say kathleen's killing it but amy over there is having some vocabulary issues i'm going to go sit with her right so it makes your job a lot easier you're putting your resources where they're needed exactly Mm -hmm. so i have a question is that so are are the kids doing this in schools, or is it more of an after-school program? Is it designated during school hours, or how does how do you do it? Great question. Both. So sometimes <laughs> English language teachers use us act- in their English language course, and in that case, they um, they we also create a lot of curriculum around it for an English teacher. But at the same time, so think about an after-school program like you're in boys and girls club. 
you know, you've been in school all day, so you want to do really fun stuff. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if you are a struggling reader, what do you need to do? You need to read more. So we're actually used in a lot of after school and summer school programs because, again, it's it's much more fun to do a game and get your reading up than it is to do kind of more traditional stuff. Would the reading be more after school and summer versus the writing where you need more feedback? No, it's pretty much the whole program okay. all the way. And, the, you know, the nice thing is whether it's in school or whether it's in after school, I can't stress enough the really amazing adults, you know, because that's really what does it come down to? It comes down to adults, caring adults and teachers and program directors who are working in high poverty communities who are really helping kids are amazing and dedicated and just to your point, like need the resources. Um, but as again, for those of you joining us tonight, welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Uh, we're here with, once again, my amazing crew of co-hosts. I'm going to go through it again. Amy, Bronwyn, Bridget, Sarah, Caroline, and Kathy. Um, and with our amazing guest, Lisa Holton, who is the president of Classroom Inc. And what we're discussing today is one of the most innovative, unbelievable ways to teach literacy to kids in, in, in underprivileged uh, settings but in a way that's fun, in a way that they don't realize what they're doing and it's fun, it's exciting, and it really takes a lot of the judgment out of it. It sort of encourages you to do what you're doing on your own without other eyes always looking at what you're doing, which is something we could use in everything we do, by the way, in life. Um, so, but Lisa, you were saying, so it has a, a reading component and a writing component. and. Does that mean that the program, so right now it's involved with teachers. Teachers, it goes to the, to the teachers. Would, would there ever be an opportunity for, so as Kathy just said, a summer program when you don't have the teachers necessarily, but maybe a volunteer group, or, or is there somebody that could continue this during the summer that could then evaluate the writing and help with the writing as well? So for all those more moms out there who were teachers or who were in writing or who, whatever they were, want to get involved, could they participate in this in a way that maybe evaluating the writing or whatever it is? Yes. And the nice thing about it is because um, it's a game and it has different curriculum, different people use it, right? So if you are, um, I'm looking at Kathy and saying, if you just want to have fun Fridays, right? If you just want to take one episode down and say, I just want to give my kids a break. Um, I'm not going to use the whole, but you can do that. If um, Amy wants to use it as an entire semester and really, really immerse herself in the whole thing, she can. And we're making a nifty new website. Um, So this fall, what will happen is if you're a program director from Boys and Girls Club, you'll be able to come on and in one very simple, clean package, you'll be able to say, oh, this is for me, right? And you're an ELA teacher. So again, we're going to make it much easier for you to figure out how you want to use it. So it sounds like there's different components, and you can take pieces or components and and customize it to your particular situation. Exactly. And how how do um, these schools or Boys and Girls Club access it from a financial standpoint? It's free. So how they access it wow. is they yeah. <laughs> Did I say that again? It's free. Isn't that amazing? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's, I have to say, the beauty of our board and our donors. They, you know, I'll never forget, we were in a board meeting recently, and we were talking about, over the years, sometimes we've tried to sell because schools do have you know, some money to buy things. And everybody just said, what are we doing? You know, if, if this is our mission, then let's just go out there and raise a lot of money. So it's free. So either schools or teachers and teachers in their classroom can just come online and they can just sign up and register today. All you have to do is go to classroom.inc. You say, look in, log in, register. You can look at a little demo. You can get the game. You can get some curriculum. And if you're a school and you say, I'm a principal, I want that, but I also want you to help my teachers, you can apply to us and apply for, you know, a position as a funded slot. So, sorry. Um, What about an individual? What about if my son isn't at your school and uh, maybe it's a fancy school, but he's still failing? He's still not doing well, and he's really embarrassed now because he should have all the resources. Um, Is there some way for a child like that to access your games? Yeah, it's a good point because, actually, you know, we're focused on low income, but, in fact, as we all know, 
Right. Kids yeah. struggle with reading no matter where they live, right, and no matter where they are. And also, you know, unfortunately, low-income kids live every single place in America right now. Right? Exactly. Uh, so at the moment, it's really set up mostly for educators, but stay tuned okay. uh, because <laughs> we get asked that a lot. And the beauty of the program is kids can go log in at home. So they're playing it in the classroom, and they can easily just go home or go to the library, log in, and keep playing. And, in fact, because we designed it first as a set curriculum for teachers, the teachers like to have it go in order. And I was sitting at a coaches' meeting the first summer we were rolling out the editor-in-chief, and somebody said, oh, it was a disaster. The kids went home and just kept playing ahead. (laughs) Okay, I said, okay, that is not a disaster. We need to do more programming so the kids can actually go. So we would love to be able to do that in the next year or so. Yeah. Where do you find your funds? There's a lovely woman sitting at the other end of the table. (laughs) It's not me. Um, No, we have... um, we have Mom a great is now you. Yeah, exactly. So any nonprofit knows that first of all it starts with your board, right? So you have to have an engaged, generous board. We have an amazing, amazing board who's very generous. And then we have funding from foundations like Gates, uh, the Carnegie Corporation, but most of our funding comes from individuals. Mm-hmm. And one of the other great things about going from profit to nonprofit is I've now been exposed to this extraordinary group of people who have made it, right, who are very wealthy, they've been very successful, and they are serious about giving back. So most of the people that I meet with are individuals who are philanthropic. Either they've set up their own foundation or they just simply are interested and they educate themselves. They want to, you know, they want something that resonates with them that they believe in, that they know makes a difference. And it's really incredible. And I would just add um, that we, I've, I, since I've been working with Classroom Inc., I think it's one of the best-kept secrets out there. I mean, it's amazing the work that they're doing, the results that they're seeing, the impact that they're having. Um, so one of the things we're trying to do now is really get the word out there, which is one of the reasons why we love doing things like the, this radio show tonight, to spread the word. We want more people to know. Please visit classroominc.com. We do have our 25th celebration coming up. It's on May 23rd. Um, that's something that people can come and support and buy tickets to. It's going to be a wonderful event hosted by Tom Brokaw. Uh, it's fabulous night, fabulous people, fabulous food at a great venue. Three, uh, it's Tribeca Wait a minute. Did you say Tom Brokaw? I did say Tom Brokaw. Wow. Isn't that cool? really amazing? That's pretty cool. So it's things like this that we do to get people involved and to learn about what we're doing and, um, and what great ways to give. We're always looking for people to host little uh, cultivation events for us. Little, So if you know somebody that wants to do that, there's lots of ways to get involved and to help us. And we're yeah. really focused on spreading the word because everybody knows how important this issue is. And when you see the impact that we're having, everybody should want to get involved. Um, going back to what actually Bronwyn brought up before, and I forgot to ask you this prior to this, when could individuals get involved? What about homeschoolers who are sort of established homeschooling? Does that fall under the category of, like, how, how would that work? Sure. I mean, and, you know, the truth is a, a parent could come on today and register and download and use it for his or her child. So parents can totally come on and use it. And homeschoolers, absolutely, because homeschoolers are really looking for curriculum. So same thing. You can come on and for free use it. Wow. And, and again, with what Bronwyn was saying about expanding the program, is what is your vision or if, about expanding this? Like, so going beyond the school system, I know we were had a conversation earlier, you know, even um, to adults that you know maybe have a problem. And I don't know what would the vision be, and what do you think? So is I feel like we're the- at this amazing moment in time because of technology. Right, because I mean, if you think, so, first of all, think about Classroom Inc. Floppy disk, right? To here, now we've had the internet, now we've had the iPhone. But the other thing that's happened is that adults in the last, I'd say, even five or six years, have figured out that online digital learning is just a part of life. Yes, right? Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you just stop and think about it, like Coursera was weird five years ago, right? <laughs> and MOOCs were weird, and now who doesn't go to YouTube and you know find some new thing or go to Lynda.com? So, what that is going to enable us to do is wrap teacher training around the games and 
I can reach South Central LA, I can reach Pine Ridge Reservation, I can reach rural Vermont, and I can give you anything you need. I can reach parents. And then the second thing that I think is going to be transformative is, is mobile. You know, because if you think about kids and their ecosystem, learning should be happening all the time. And for kids who have privilege and money, it does, right? Kids go to really fabulous after-school programs. They go home and have rich resources. They have summer. Um, but if you're in a situation where you have less resources, you do have a phone, right? So if I can send you cool little uh, mini versions, right, where, so for example, LaDonna Watkins, our star reporter, who's often a prima donna, if she's sending you, an, you know, a text that you have to deal with at night, you're playing the game and still reading and doing things. Not only is it helping you, but you're able to share it with your parents. And sometimes parents might not necessarily connect with school, A, because they have three jobs, or B, because they might not speak the language and it feels kind of intimidating. But if I'm bringing a game home and it's really cool and it's fun and it's showing that I'm in a workplace, I can share it with my parent. And then all of a sudden, your connection between home and out of school and school, you know, becomes the ecosystem that it really should be. And, in a, you know, in certain circumstances where maybe a sibling of that child, so this kid brings it home, school wasn't for him or her, and they dropped out and whatever it is, but they see their younger sibling playing a game. I think that has to be attractive to them. So, you know, so I don't know, maybe it even gets those who maybe lost interest because of what was happening to them. It could bring them back. Yeah. I think that, again, talking about what's happened the last five years, Five years ago, even, gaming in school was considered, you know, a little out there. Like, we were looked at as, oh, okay, you know, you're innovative, but you're a little, little out there. Now, you're sitting here and you're articulating exactly all of the reasons why game-based learning totally makes sense, right? And back to our children today, how could you not use gaming? Like, how could you not use the way that you guys mediate through the world, right, to help you learn? And how could you not include technology, career readiness, and reading and writing into one thing? So the education system often moves at a much slower pace than the rest of the world. But I think even the education system right now is just on this tipping point. So for me, what we do, game-based learning and what, you know, the read to lead is just like the beginning. So for the younger crowd in here tonight, and I'm looking at Bridget and Sarah and Caroline, who's an f- incredible videographer tonight. So girls, you're hearing all about this and I'm now bringing you into the mic. Yes. Um, <laughs> What is your take on this? So having grown up sort of, you're a little bit ahead of, I guess, the gaming. But So you're hearing about this. What is your read on this? And going forward, and what you've seen with kids you've grown up with, mm-hmm. how do you think this would affect those had it been around when you were there? I was actually just thinking about this. I think it would have made such a big difference. Caroline and I actually both after school during high school would do a tutoring program, and a lot of times we were supposed to read with the kids, and they would be, like, adamant. They were like, we're not reading, we're not reading. But what they keep asking would be like, oh, can we play Subway Surfer on your phone? Or, like, that's all they wanted to do was just, like, play on our phones, whether or not if, or they would have their own phones, but, like, we would have the games or whatever. And so when you were saying that, that's all I was thinking about. I was like, if we had had that when we were doing tutoring, I think we could have made such a difference instead of being like, no, you have to read three pages, and then you can play Candy Crush. But, like, if we were able to offer something that actually would have made an impact on the phone, I think it would have been such a different story. And so I think that... It definitely probably is a little ahead of our time. Like, I know we didn't have anything like that, but I think now, like, just hearing what you're saying, I know for a fact that it's definitely... And I would agree, even with babysitting, a lot of the times um, the parents say, you know, oh, they can have a half an hour of screen time before they go to bed, and then you let them do this thing that's just, I don't know, it's just not helpful at all, and they're doing a silly game. But I think that if this... If a lot more people can be exposed to this, they might be more willing to use their screen time in a productive way, and even then, they, they'll be happy that they could get more screen time because you're kind of tricking them. They don't necessarily realize that the, what they're doing is helping them learn, and it's a really good thing because I think kids, it's just screen time is this thing that they want, and so if you can disguise it to be productive, I think it would really help a lot of people. So I think it's a really great thing. 
cool. Thank you. <laughs> Not that you didn't already know how great it was. No, but I love hearing your perspective. Endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is even. There are some games on our phones now. There are some apps where um, it's obviously a little bit different, but there are prompts and you have to kind of react to situations and you have to choose a prompt. And I'm seeing, I mean, I, I babysit a lot. I haven't really tutored, but I'm seeing a lot more kids do that. And I think even that's kind of helpful because you need to know how to act in a different scenario and react to different situations. And while you're not doing the writing necessarily that you're, it seems like you're doing with, um, different programs, you, you do have prompts and you have to read through them and act in, reaction to certain things that are happening so i do think that it's it's growing yeah that's a great point and the other thing i was going to say is because this is in an office setting um you learn how other people react to your communication styles and in the games often you have choices and sometimes they're little choices like ernie your intern comes in and says you know what do you want me to do next boss and you either say you know go out and get some food or you say, hey, Ernie, why don't you come help with this project? You know, and based on you, what you said, Ernie reacts like, hey, that wasn't really very cool to go tell me to get the book. <laughs> and then sometimes you have really big decisions to make and they have consequences. Like you have to decide, this is very relevant, you have to decide whether an article has enough factual evidence to be able to publish. And your star reporter, LaDonna, is pushing you because she really wants to publish the story. And some of your other staff members are saying, you know, you really need to check that anonymous source. Well, when you publish, LaDonna is super happy and you're in really big trouble because you didn't have enough sources. But if you don't publish, while that all went well, LaDonna's threatening to quit. So back to your point about the prompts, it's real life decision making, <laughs> right? In, but you're in this story, like you're in this whole kind of interactive fiction world. And at the same time, you're learning a lot about um, just how to interact with other people, which I think, I don't know about you, but it's actually pretty hard to learn. It's really hard to learn. And I think a lot of people could stand to learn a lot more <laughs> about interacting with people, yes. frankly. I heartily agree. <laughs> Can I just say all this time I thought LaDonna was a real person? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe how she's totally dishing on LaDonna. <laughs> I, I, I'm in your world. I'm totally in your world. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know what I would do. This is so stressful. <laughs> I'm completely stressing out about this stressful. I know, me too. I can't make a decision for the life of me. And I was just thinking, like, if I had something like that, that probably would have helped me a lot because now I take like two days to decide what I'm gonna have for dinner so something like that I'm like I could never decide that so I think even just like the the people skills kind of like you were saying in addition to everything else I think that's so important yeah. the other thing is that sometimes uh when I'm going into certain neighborhoods I realize that uh there aren't a lot of office situations and so mm -hmm. often for the kids who don't necessarily get an opportunity to go around and look at different careers and look at different offices it's really eye-opening you know, to see this is what different jobs are like. This is how I deal with different staff. So even though it's a virtual world, it's really like walking into a world that you don't necessarily get exposed to. Do they ever have sort of a follow-up discussion about... So how many of the kids in a classroom would be on the same subject matter? Is it grade-dependent, or is it, how does that work? Everybody in the class is on the same game. And that's because you want to do it together and have discussion. So you totally, after you make the big decision, everybody gets around and discusses what's happening. And as you're reading and writing, too, you're helping each other and coming back and discussing. And then back to your question about what's different about out-of-school time. So in out-of-school time, there's also really cool projects. So when you're the head of the community service organization and you're having to deal with all these issues, after you guys have finished the game, then you design your own community service project. Very cool. So are there any kids who have sort of graduated from this program? Or actually, how it's been going on for how long? 25 years. Are there kids who have gone through the program that are now reinvolved with it, like in coming up with ideas for the games or with input about this would be a really cool subject matter to explore? Well, we have one principal who actually was, who used one of the original classrooming simulations, which is really 
Wow. Wonderful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, but we involve teachers, but we also involve students, both who are currently in it and who have come through and said, um, and sometimes I, you know, I get a lot of positive responses, but I love the negative ones. You know, I love the ones where I say, Ernie's a little too earnest. You know? <laughs> I feel like they like he's a person that they know. <laughs> like Bronwyn just said, she's exactly. a real person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Lisa, I was wondering if, um, just because I was so moved by the story, if you could share the story about the young men from Yemen. I that, did. Oh, did you? Oh, you I, I did. <laughs> you missed it. I was blanking out. Sorry. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this room. Where it Lots happens. of things happening. <laughs> Texting. I don't know where it happens. So there's there's a lot of learning. There's reading, which is a critical skill. Writing, critical for, for everyone to learn and, and know how to master in a sense. Um, what about, you were talking about the work world, and I think education is great, and it's, and it's book education or book smart is really important, but life education is equally important. I find that having an opportunity to interact with others and understand how to manage different situations is is really important to be successful. Is there something that your um, your educational system can either expand on or is currently doing to help these inner city kids that don't have role models um, develop role models? So just last week, uh, we were meeting with this really cool group, a, bu- a bunch of corporate partners and uh, a group of the city called the Young Men's Initiative uh, that started out uh, helping supporting young men of color is now uh, inclusive of all young people uh, of color in low-income communities. And what we're working on there is the corporate partners serve as mentors um, and work with young people in a bunch of schools around the city. And what's great is they use our learning games basically as the bridge. So, you know, back to your point about being a tutor, and sometimes it was really hard. And sometimes it's hard to make connections, right? And so in this case, they can play the game, and then they can actually discuss together purely to your point about from a workplace point of view. And the corporate partners, the corporate mentors can say, yeah, here's my, you know, here was my biggest challenge. Here's what I failed at. Here's what I learned through communication. Because I agree with you. I mean, I'm curious, what are some of the things that you see that you need most when you're hiring people or when you're thinking about what makes a great? Well, it's interesting, and I think that's great that that question was not planted. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was not. We've never met before. (laughs) But I'm going to pay you afterwards, so it'll be okay. (laughs) But in the workplace, um, absolutely, you know, Skills, skill set is very important. The reading, the writing, being able to think critically, I think is very important, which would get developed through those conversations with mentors who are in the workforce. How do they handle certain situations, um, share their ideas and thoughts? Uh, I would say things like getting along with others, very simple, you know, people in a higher socioeconomic background might take for granted, but. I think when you when you when you look at people in a lower economic um, background, they don't have role models to show them how to shake hands, how to dress appropriately, how to speak appropriately, how to interact with different you know different um, people, how to present themselves well, to build their confidence, and building confidence with their education, their knowledge um, is all incredible. There's one more layer, though. I think that they need and that is that is just personal or interpersonal skills does that make sense well not to sound like a grumpy old woman Mm -hmm. but i actually feel all young people could benefit from (laughs) that (laughs) i agree totally agree (laughs) (laughs) i am excluded by the way no actually actually go home with her tonight as a relatively young person i agree i kind of hate my generation I think people are way too entitled and think that we deserve way too much, and we don't. Um, so I completely agree, actually. It's very frustrating. 100%. Especially, I think, at college and in the college environment, like that couldn't ring more true. I will tell you that while we're making the games, I, you know, I don't get intimately involved, but because I was a publisher, I actually get involved in the storylines, and I... Have them send me the dialogue, especially the dialogue between the boss and the employees, because 
the people working on the games are all game designers and like hip, fabulous, you know, artists and writers. And so I'm constantly saying, you cannot talk to the boss that way. <laughs> it cannot be that casual. <laughs> No, yeah. Especially maybe just because I really want a job and I'm like desperate. But I feel like if my boss, hypothetical boss, because unemployed, but if my boss were to ever say anything, I'd be like, okay, yes, as soon as you need it. Like, oh my God, tell me more. Give me more to do. I'm so sorry. Like, yes, thank you. I'm so- hiring you immediately. <laughs> like,. That's true. I agree. A lot of young people feel entitled, and it's very frustrating to me coming from, um, you know, a generation where we feel like we have to work a little bit hard and earn what we have. So I try to instill that in my kids, instill that in the the people that work with me. Um, So I am... um, Over the 50 age mark. (laughs) And And we wear it proudly. That's right. And I have um, two young fellows on my team, one who graduated um, last year from college and and one a few years prior, so young 20s. And um, I have to say that I think sometimes it's just a little bit of um, demonstrating, feedback, mentoring can really make a big difference. So I think that's not just with the people that I'm working with, but with, as we said earlier, um, these kids in the inner cities that might not have the opportunity to get exposure to that, I think really they just need a little bit of it, and it will go a long way. It will really help them. Well, and to your point, in rural, you know, in rural places, in suburban places, I mean, I totally agree. And back to the free Access, You know, it's just, it's so much about just having access to really great resources, right, and really great opportunities, yeah. But I think access is irrelevant if you don't have the confidence going into the access. So I think, you know, you can have all the access in the world and no confidence, and it's going to do nothing for you. So I think if nothing else, what this is doing is giving kids who were not at, didn't have the advantages, it's getting them in step with the others with the confidence that they need to then obtain the access. So what Kathy was saying with this mentoring, it is invaluable to go sit with some, you know what I'm saying? Maybe that could even be something down the road. And all you morph moms listening out there, we need you. <laughs> but, you know, so what if they progress to a certain level with this and then they sit with someone and practice live interview skills or practice or, or the thing, you know, whatever it is down the road. But I think personally, it's the confidence to feel like you're just as good as the person next to you. Because I'm not sure society is always that forgiving. Well, I have to say it's really wonderful to sit in a room full of people who get it and who are passionate and who really understand what we're trying to do. And I will say to all the morph moms and everybody, we need you. We totally need your passion. We need your commitment. You know, the other cool thing about uh, – I think that some of the reason that donors and boards love giving to Classroom Inc. is because we're not actually big, huge, and fancy. You know what I mean? When you're a part of us, you're really part of our community. You're giving to something that you can see has direct value. And, like, it's just us, a scrappy nonprofit, you know, just trying to get it out there. So I just have to say it's fantastic to have this energy in the room and to have you guys get it. And for all those Morphons out there, we want you. We want your energy and your passion. I think morph not yet moms would also love to. (laughs) I like would love to somehow if you can even on campuses. I'm sure so many students would love to volunteer and help out. I think that that could be a really great morph non moms. I was going to say how about morph millennials? Yes, millennials. Just saying. Nice point, Bridget. Okay, so I just got the two minute sign. I can't believe we have to end this. I could go all night, but we just have to all come back. Um, This is very depressing. So I want to begin by thanking my amazing team of co-hosts tonight who far surpassed anything I could ever do. So Amy, Bronwyn, Bridget, Sarah, Kathy, and Caroline. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming tonight and, and really showing every side of what this provides. Lisa, you are amazing to my guests tonight. Amazing what you are doing. You're helping everybody, and it is so necessary and so important. And if you're not moved... I don't know if you're human. If you're not moved, 
by what you're doing right now. But before we go, so for those interested in getting involved or spreading the word, can you tell us all, um, share with what the best way would be to connect with Classroom Inc. and whatever it is to, to pass the word around? Well, the best way to connect with Classroom Inc. is to email me lholton at classroominc.org where you can come on our site uh, website classroominc.org and email us but honestly just email me tell me you listen to the show and I'd love to hear from you and and if there are those listening out there who want to get involved and you may not have been a teacher you may not have been in the education system is there still room for those more funds out there to become involved absolutely yeah yeah I mean people can fit in in a bunch of different ways so no, you know, there are a lot of people who are involved with us who aren't teachers or aren't educators. They just care about what we're doing. Just advocates. Yeah. Advocates, yeah. yep. They can, you know, again, just bring people together, spread the word, let people know that we're here, let people know it's a free service. Um, so the more people we can have doing that for us, the better. Again, I can't believe our time is up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lisa. Thank you, my co-host. Uh, what a great night and more fun moments. And with my millennial morph moms. <laughs> Like more millennials, not moms. Um, I'll see you all next Thursday night. Have a great holiday weekend, and we'll see you then. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good job. All right. served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health care facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Hi, I'm Janice Ian. Do you remember how excited you were at the start of summer every year and how the summer just started to drag on after a few months and you couldn't wait to get back to school, see your old friends, make new friends, get new books and a new locker and a clean slate? Well, you should have been excited about music class, too, because that was a special room where you went to sing, perform with your friends, and learn all kinds of interesting stuff about great composers, instruments, different kinds of music and songs. We remember our music teachers because they were so passionate about helping us learn to love music. They helped to spark a love for listening to notes and voices and rhythms that continues to enrich our lives even today. I bet your kids feel the same way about music class. Ask them and make sure they get involved with music in school and in their lives. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education. Do you love poetry, hip-hop, and live music? Well then, come on down to The Poet Will Be Televised. Every second Wednesday of the month at Funkadelic Studios. Perform your own pieces during the open mic or just enjoy the vibes. 
the poet will be televised. The best poetry jam in New York. For more information, visit www.thereclife.org. Sparky the Fire Dog here. Protect your family from fire. Make sure your home has smoke alarms in every bedroom, outside your sleeping areas, and on every level of your home, even your basement. For games and activities, go to sparky.org. We want to keep you, your family, and your community safer from fire. This message brought to you by the National Fire Protection Association and your local fire department. Visit sparky.org. You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com